Hi, I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers. Today, I'm here by myself, no Chelsea, so we miss you, Chelsea. Wish you were here, but hopefully we can carry on a great conversation without her. Today, I have Bob Fabian. Did I say that right? You did. Okay, great. Uh, with Weeks Forest Products, and we're going to chat about a lot of different things. So we are actually in Chicago, Illinois right now at a conference, and We'll probably loop some of that into our conversation. So how are you? Great. I'm just happy to be here. A pleasure meeting you, Natalie. We only met a couple of days ago and honored to be on your podcast. I would imagine that this will be my one and only chance to be on a <laughs> podcast. So I'm really excited. No, we could have you Thank back you. for sure. <laughs> and it was fun because we got to get to know each other with our little negotiations yesterday. Right. Was that yesterday? Was, uh, two days ago, and I think it was in this room. Wow. With, a, with a nice view of the lake. Yeah, it all blends together, the days. I'm right. like, what day is it even? Yeah, exactly. So we are at Executive Management Institute, correct? Yes, okay. Northwestern University, Kellogg School of Management. Awesome. Yeah. It's been a really great experience. It has. I'm blown away. Um, the speakers, the professors have been unbelievable. They, uh, you can see why they're doing what they're doing because they're good. Do you think, I was thinking about this today, do you think that it's because they handpicked them and they're the best of the best, or are they all just great at Kellogg? I want to believe, and I, and I think I do believe this, that they are the best of the best. Uh, you hear their accolades, you know, and their resume before mm-hmm. each one of them speak, and yeah, you're, you're, again, you're just blown away by what they've accomplished. So yeah, I I think they're the best of the best. Yeah, they're pretty good. So um, unfortunately, we're not sponsored by NALA, but this is a plug for EMI. (laughs) You should all try to come. It's been a really awesome experience and meeting people and, you know, we all do different things. So is your background, did you start in sales? I did. Yeah, I've been in the industry for 35 years, uh, recruited right out of college I graduated from the University of Minnesota, another Big Ten school, uh, Carlson School of Management, and started with Georgia Pacific. Oh, really? So spent 10 years with Georgia Pacific in Minneapolis, born and raised in Minneapolis. And from there, I spent three years as vice president of a small iJoyce manufacturing plant in northern Wisconsin. Um, Engineered wood has kind of been my passion. That's how I grew my career. And uh, from there, after three years up there, had an opportunity to join Weeks, where I currently am. Wow. In 1999, I uh, was recruited to come back home to Minneapolis, which uh, was a big plus, and start Internet Wood for Weeks Forest Products. Uh, up like, start it from scratch? Started from scratch. Wow. Yeah. Up until that point, yeah, they had zero sales in Internet Wood at any one of their distribution centers. So I was hired to start it in St. Paul and then also grow it to the other divisions. So it was exciting. It was uh, a lot of fun. I've been asked a few times, why would you ever want to start from scratch? But I always love a challenge. And uh, 
after doing that for some 13, 14 years, I was given the opportunity to be the division manager at the St. Paul facility. And again, an, another big challenge and wanted to take it on. Wow. So a couple of things. What's iJoyce? I don't know what that is. iJoyce, engineered wood. iJoyce are floor joists or floor raf- or, or roof rafters. An engineered iJoyce is either LVL or solid wood flanges, the top and bottom, it, an I-beam, the shape of an I, where it has an OSB web, which is 3A OSB usually, and the top and bottom flanges are either made out of dimensional lumber or a piece of LVL, laminated, laminated veneer lumber, and that is an iJoyce. That's kind of the key staple to engineered wood products. Okay. Oh, cool. So GP for three years. GP for 10. Oh, 10. Yeah. Three with a company called Superior Wood Systems. That was that small iJoyce manufacturer. And then the rest of my 35-year career with Weeks. So I have been with Weeks now just over 22 years. Okay. And so of those 22, how much was growing, starting and then growing engineered wood versus being the division manager? I've been the division manager now for five years. So almost 17 years, if I've got the math right, doing engineered wood. Okay. Neat. And so how many employees does Weeks have? Among its seven distribution centers, I believe the number is just over 200. There are roughly 60 employees at the St. Paul facility, which uh, is Weeks Forest Products as one division of specialty lumber products. And then another division, North Star Forest Materials, which is a commodity broker uh, of lumber. And then uh, St. Paul is also our corporate office, so it, it has our corporate employees as well. Wow. Okay. And how many do you manage? I manage 43 people right now. Wow. So when you made that transition to division manager, had you managed employees before? Just small groups. Uh, When I was the VP of the manufacturing plant, it was in charge of maybe five people because I was just heading up sales and marketing for a a small small manufacturer. As part of Engineered Wood, it was managing up to four people. So wasn't managing a lot of people up until the opportunity to to take on St. Paul. Wow. So did you feel like you had the tools in your belt to jump from four to 40? (laughs) uh, I I did. Uh, And uh, frankly, I was just waiting for an opportunity. Uh, There may have been some opportunities to relocate. Minneapolis is home. I wanted to stay there, loved what I was doing, had, you know, had some, maybe some other opportunities for larger management, um, possibilities. But again, I kind of knew what the timing needed to look like and I was willing to stay patient. I'm glad I did. Wow. Neat. So back to the growing the engineered wood, where do you get started? How did you, I mean, did you have a mentor? Did you look at what other people were doing? What helped you when you first got started? Yeah, well, when I first got started, and I'm going to date myself, right? 1988 uh, was when Georgia Pacific didn't even know what an iJoyce was. They bought a small little iJoyce manufacturing plant in Ocala, Florida. And from there, all of the regional managers were told to start putting iJoyce into the distribution centers across the country. 
And my manager and mentor at the time came to me and said, I have no idea what an iJoyce is. You're the youngest guy here. Take it on. And so it was uh, trial by fire. Uh, learned what it was by myself and uh, tried to learn what I could, took whatever training I could and uh, started to pioneer it. It was slow at the time. It wasn't used very often in our market. But uh, with the relationships I had already established, uh, you know, in my you know short sales career with GP, kind of leaned on a few people, and and it started to grow. Grew it to be the number one engineered wood division for all of GP, and that wow. was a that was a quite an accomplishment, and that's probably why I had an opportunity from there to go and, and look at uh, an opportunity with Superior Wood Systems. So, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error and learning on my own, and uh, again, it's it was nowhere near the industry that it is now. Now it is massive, and every lumberyard across the country is using some sort of engineered wood every day. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Neat. So, um, GP, big company, not as familiar with the other company. Um, right. Superior Wood Systems. Superior Wood Systems. Yeah, tiny Thank little you. company that got bought a couple of years after I left, and, okay. and they're, they're no longer uh, no longer, no longer here. company. Okay. Yeah. And then Weeks, who I know a little bit. Culture-wise, what, you know, is there anything that you learned from GP that you apply to Weeks? Is there anything that you, you know... I've heard a lot that you learn from things that you want to be like, or you mm-hmm. want to apply to your life, but you also learn from things that you hate, right? You're like, oh, this was a horrible, I hated how my boss did this, or, you know, I loved how my boss did this. Is there anything you remember from early in your career that you're able to apply to managing the employees you have now? Yeah, that's a great question. Oh, thanks. Great question. <laughs> Georgia Pacific, when I spent my 10 years there, was a large distribution manufacturing company with with a small company strategy at their individual distribution centers. They were all individual profit centers, and they could all be mavericks if they wanted to. Uh, as long as they were profitable, they could do what they wanted to do. So the, cult, the culture was more people-oriented, more relationship-oriented, and that's what drives me. It felt like home. It felt like a small company, even though it was a large company, and and that's what I really liked. Just before I left the company, GP changed their strategy and went to two sales centers. Instead of some 30 distribution centers, they put salespeople in Atlanta and Denver and the small company feel went away. All the purchasing, for the most part, was all done at corporate sites, and it was done at a corporate level. Major change. And that's what drove me away. I was lucky enough to get an opportunity again. Small company uh, up in northern Wisconsin came to me and said, here's, uh, here's an opportunity. We, uh, we want you to take our engineered wood company and, and see what you can do with it, see if you can grow it. And uh, again, I liked that new challenge. It was kind of starting from scratch again, but it was a small company feel where I could make decisions and make them count. Mm-hmm. And that's what drove me. Going to Weeks, uh, again, a uh, 
startup on the engineered wood side, but a smaller company, again, driven by, driven by success. If you're successful, uh, you can do what you want to do. Uh, you provide results and uh, you'll get some guidance, but if you provide the results, they let you go. Um, I think we heard from quite a few of our professors so far at our conference here that the best individuals just surround themselves with good people. Mm -hmm. Let them take the reins and go so that the higher management can go on to bigger and better things. And that's the kind of leaders that I have had in my life. And uh, that that's kind of driven my career. I like it. That's awesome. That is easier said than done, I think. Right. And there's always so much ego wrapped up into it. You know, you mm-hmm. it's hard. One, it's hard to admit that what you don't know. And then two, when you do admit it, it's hard to admit that somebody else is better at it than you. So, you know, I think I'm really conscious of my ego all the time. But even sometimes I'll find myself holding on to something that I'm like, why am I doing? You know, one day you kind of wake up and you're like, why am I doing this? I hate it. I'm not very good at it. And this person's much better. So I think the classes here have really reiterated that for me. You know, you just, you got to stay awake and keep your eyes open and always look for that. Know what you don't know. Right. Right. Know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So um, we were talking at lunch yesterday, I believe, and you told me a really cool story that I really wanted to get on the podcast about. We were talking about the challenges in hiring right now, which are seen across everyone I've talked to here, you know, so across the entire United States and Canada and, you know, different strategies and techniques and things we're doing to be more flexible, to keep workers and to, to attract new workers. So will you start in on that story? Yeah, absolutely. Just to start out, what keeps me up at night is our lack of labor. I know it's not just for our industry, but, uh, our, our industry has hit pretty hard. You know, our downturn in 2008 really cost us uh, the better part of five to seven years, maybe, uh, of employment because people didn't want to come to the building products industry. They didn't right. want to be builders. And, and that really set us back. And to the point we are now, uh, where we continually want to grow, labor is a big problem. So we want to be flexible. And we're always trying to think of different ideas mm-hmm. on how to be flexible. So what happened was I had an employee that we actually started uh, as part of a temp agency. So we were able to work with this individual for three months, got to know him, a nice young man. We invested in him for three months, uh, taught him our business. Uh, he has <laughs> a role in our operations in traffic department. And at the end of that three months, we have the ability then to hire him on full-time as a week's employee. Part of that uh, onboarding would be a a drug test, which is uh, common across the industry, obviously, and uh, and mandatory for our company. Um, And your state. Yes. Right? Uh, Yes. Okay. Yep, absolutely. And our state, Minnesota, uh, currently marijuana is not legal. So when we gave this individual the drug test, unfortunately, he failed the marijuana part of the test. And I was really disappointed. Uh, I was disappointed for him. I was disappointed for us. He's a nice young man. 
And so I just tried to think of what we could do. And I actually went to HR and said, what can we do? What are our options? And uh, to my surprise, I wasn't even aware of it. Uh, There is an option. So what we did is went back to this individual and said, we will give you a second chance if you agree to a 30-minute consult with a counselor on drug use, and that person can assess you. Uh, If you get a favorable favorable report, we will hire you back as long as if you take another test in a week and the percentages go down and you agree to a random test over the next 6 to 12 months, uh, that will hire you back and give you that second chance. And gave him the night to think about it, and he came back the next day and said, Sorry, Mr. Fabian, I'm, I'm not interested. I decided yeah, I'm just I'm just going to leave. And I said, okay, I uh, uh, don't quite understand, but uh, I, I'm a little disappointed, but you need to make your own decisions, so good luck to you. And again, very disappointed. Next morning, I get a phone call, and uh, he said, I'm very sorry. I would like another chance. I was proud of him to, again, take the time to think about it. Don't, I didn't ask him what went through his mind or what, why he finally changed his mind, but he did, accepted him back. He's passed the test, and uh, he is contributing, and this, this has been now um, six weeks, I think, that uh, he's been back, and uh, hopefully it continues because he's a, he's a good young man, and again, we need people. Uh, we have a lack of good talent. We are a industry that is aging, and we need young people. So we need to continually think of different ideas on how we can be flexible to save those people. So do you think five years ago you would have done the same thing? Another good question, and I would probably say no. Yeah, I probably would not have done it five years ago reasons, maybe just not as flexible. Maybe we didn't need people as badly as we do now. Maybe a different feeling about marijuana. And But over the last five years, I think uh, what we've seen across our country and legalization, it's coming. It's going to come everywhere. So we all need to be flexible. Our culture's changing. And it's not to say that uh, that change is bad. Right. I think at the table we were at, we were maybe 50-50 on who was testing for marijuana and who wasn't, mm-hmm. right? Right, yeah. And those those crazy Canadians. No they, testing. No at testing all. at all. Not even just marijuana. Correct. They were saying, right? Yes. Yeah, that that surprised me, but um, yeah. That, yeah, that I was surprised me. by that too. That's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. So yeah, culture is shifting. It's definitely changing and it's, you know, how... How do you meet the employees at least halfway, if not more? Are you guys doing any sort of bonus, like hiring bonus or production bonus or anything like that right now? Um, We have a recruiting bonus. Uh, So if you can recruit a a friend or acquaintance, um, we we reward them. And uh, that's been successful for us. Uh, We got to just continue to get innovative mm-hmm. on, uh, on ways to attract talent. Right. We're doing, we do a recruitment bonus. We just started doing a monthly bonus essentially for showing up. 
working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it's getting to. That's right? what, yeah. yeah. Signing bonuses. I mean, that's not uncommon at all right now. We haven't done that, but I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Right. Right. And then one thing I have noticed, and maybe this is different for you, but we, you know, and I think we talked about this in one of our classes. I can't remember which one it was, but you know, oh, it was the multi-generational leadership. 5G. 5G. Leadership and 5G. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, we didn't necessarily talk to the employees, but we thought they wanted health care. And so we gave them free health care. And now I think they don't really, I don't want to say they don't care, but I think a couple dollars more an hour is actually more important than free health care. Wow. So that's been an interesting thing I realized, um, you know, like, gosh, I got to get down. I got to get down there and talk to the green chain guys and gals and what's important to them. Have you heard other companies that offer that? Well, I think that it makes more of an impact at maybe the administration level, the sales assistance level, the free healthcare, And that's kind of where I have heard it before, but we applied it to our mill. And they just haven't really responded as much as I thought they would. Okay. Yeah. I have not heard of that one. So, yeah, so different things, different ideas every day. No, and, and that gets back to, you know, the five generations that uh, generations are like cultures and we don't understand them as good as we should. And, right. you know, just to say that maybe somebody young starting out says, I know I'm not going to need that health care as much as I'm going to need two bucks. And right. so I may want that. Exactly. Might so. have to think of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I guess I think we're, we're getting close to time. We can't forget our rapid fire questions. Okay. But before we get there, you've had tremendous success. You've had, I mean, you've literally started from the ground and worked your way up. What do you attribute that to? Hard work, dedication and hard work, showing up all every day and trying to most days just trying to enjoy what I do and uh, staying with companies that that I enjoy the people that I'm with so yeah, yeah right off the top anyway that was a rapid fire question we've already started <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh okay let me get them out okay off the top of my head I do remember what is the last book you read it was what unites us by Dan Rather it is reflections of Dan Rather and his reflections on what true patriotism is. He just addresses some really powerful social issues. And, and I didn't know, you know much about Dan Rather, but I gathered a lot about uh, him as a person. And uh, I really respect the man. Uh, it was a nice, easy read, real quick read, and, and very interesting. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of it. And I'm, I really like the quick reads right now, you know, okay. with, with the young kids. <laughs> What's the most recent thing you learned in the industry? I would have to say never be surprised. Um, in our industry, the lumber industry, in the last year and a half, you know, with the pandemic, you know, we go back to March of 2020 and the pandemic hits and everything shuts down, everybody collectively in our industry started to pull the reins in. Um, we started cutting shifts. We started to not buy inventory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mills started shutting shifts down. Uh, I furloughed a couple of people. Uh, not that it was panic, but we wanted to be agile, right? right. We mm-hmm. wanted to react to what everybody thought 
was coming at us. And of course, it couldn't have been more of the opposite. We've enjoyed great success, and so that was a huge surprise. So that's what I've learned most recently. I'm, I'm just not going to be surprised anymore. <laughs> okay, this isn't rapid fire, but I just have a question based on your answer. So we did the same thing. How much of that do you think was of the pulling back and getting prepared was because you and your company had been through 08? Well, I had a lot All to of do it? with it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yep. It's really interesting. Yeah. You know, you, a lot of our classes here, again, we keep going back to our classes, but the different generations haven't seen, you know, the Great Depression and the recessions back in the 80s and 70s. And, but here was another event for a lot of managers that had been through something very serious in 08, and we just fully expected it would be very, very similar, and we had to prepare for it. Right. Yeah. So, I, great question. Yeah, that, that had a lot to do with it. It's interesting. Okay. Describe the lumber industry in one word. Let's come back to that. Okay. Quick back. Okay. And what is your favorite thing about the industry? The people. Um, I think I spoke to it a couple of times already. Uh, People in the the lumber industry, in in my opinion, are salt of the earth. They are just good, down-to-earth people that um, very unassuming for the most part and uh, people I enjoy being around. So what I enjoy most definitely is the people. I think everybody says that. I, yeah, because it's, it's true. It is true. And I really do think we undersell our industry. We have to kind of change that narrative and get out there and promote it a little bit more because everybody loves the people. Right. So, yep, exactly. That. So, you're going to go back to the other question? Yes. Okay. So, now I got it. Okay. Sexy. <laughs> now I'm being facetious, right? <laughs> because I, I think a lot of companies in the lumber industry talk about this. We are not sexy. Right. Uh, we are not sexy to the millennials. How can we attract the millennials? But if we talk about how much we have to offer the great people that are in our industry, a great way of life. I mean, we can provide a great income mm-hmm. uh, with great benefits. Like I mentioned earlier, we are an aging industry. So the opportunities to move up fast into management roles are as good in this industry as I think across any other industry in the country. So we have a lot to offer, like you said. And for that reason, yeah, we're, we're getting sexier. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And um, we will definitely have to have you back, hopefully with my counterpart. All right. Perfect. Perfect.